Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. Today's guest is a veteran of construction safety with more than 20 years experience, where she's worked as the safety director for Alvarisi Constructors. She is a respected leader in the industry who serves on a number of industry committees and is an advocate for the safety of construction workers across the country. If you're talking construction safety, you should be talking to our guest today, Kathy Dobson. Real quick, what is the last song you had stuck in your head, like couldn't get free that you found yourself humming? It's so weird. You know, I mean, you probably know I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan. I do know that about you. Yes. yes. No. So the song that, that stuck in my head is, is, is trucking where they talk about it's a long, strange trip indeed, because the last project that I was on, there was something so crazy that I like, I've never seen this before. So there's always that, that, that long, strange trip that we're taking in safety, in construction and in life. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. It's going to be uh, wonderful having you. Well, you're very welcome, and it's a, it's my pleasure, and and I always like talking to you, Kurt. Yeah, no, we uh, I I've said that of of the uh, of the people I always look forward to at our events, getting a few minutes to talk to. You are absolutely one of my favorites. Oh, uh, cool. We can talk. T- we can we can talk tattoos, or we can talk Harry Potter, or we can talk something else. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. These are some of our uh, our go tos, but. Let's today, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about safety. I mean, you have been working in the safety industry, you know, the, the organized safety industry for, for more than 20 years now. Yeah. <laughs> Just what have you seen in the culture of safety change, you know, in, in the trades and on job sites? What is, what have the big, the big developments over the last forever? You know, I, I, re- I really do think that it's a change in the culture of the, or, of the, of the companies that we work with. When I started, in 1999, so it's been over 24 years that I've been with with Alberici and and conducting safety in the in the construction industry. Safety was always sort of the we were kind of the bad guys, you know. I mean, we were the people that that we were the people that people ran from, and we were always not really very well appreciated on job sites because we would be interfering with. The process, you know, hey, can you take a long lunch because we need to get this uh, task done. And if you're not around, we can get it done easier and better, not necessarily safer. And, and so from, from that, I think it's really transitioned to where we're, we're becoming more actively involved. We're becoming more engaged with the workforce. The, the people that work with us see us as allies and advocates rather than as, um, as hinderers and as cops. So I think that that's a, that's a really positive influence that we, that has just sort of, it's kind of organically changed. It wasn't really anything that somebody said, we have to change safety and here's how we're going to change it. It's just a matter of that adaptation to, 
the way people think, the new generations of, of individuals that are coming on board and representing the industry. Um, I think that all of that has had a tremendous influence, the culture, the climate of safety within, the, within our organizations. No, and I, I definitely am getting that from talking to a, a lot of people about this, but you had mentioned something once a while back that I want to hear you kind of expound on, and that's that, you know, the, you know, safety isn't a commitment per se as much as it's an ongoing concern. It's an ongoing. How do we handle, you know, there are, there are things in this industry that are just kind of inherently unsafe, but we still have to do them. And like you just referenced, there are times like, could you walk over there so we can do this and get it done? Because we can't, how do we handle the times that safety and the task almost seem mutually exclusive? How do we overcome those obstacles? Well, you know, one of the things that I try and do is, is if I see something like that, if I can forecast that, it's great because then you have a, a bigger opportunity or a, a longer length of time to address it. But when you, when you see things that are conflicting with safety, it's that opportunity to say, Hey, can we, can we just stop and take 10 minutes to talk about this? You know, it's not really going to slow down anything that significantly. If we just say, you know, that doesn't look safe to me or it doesn't, it looks like we could possibly do it in a different way. And when you get the, the, the craft, um, represented the, the form and the general foreman of the superintendent, the safety, the project manager, whoever it is that needs to be involved with it. And you can say, Hey, you know what? I don't think we've really thought this out enough to where we can really mitigate the, the, the risk the way that we're, we're doing it right now. And so let's brainstorm, throw ideas out on the table, and let's come to a consensus agreement. Let's put it down on paper for this specific task only. If we need to involve the owner, because sometimes they get real wonky on, you know, the way we're doing things, let's bring them on board. Let's explain why we're doing things the way that we're doing them. Let's explain that this is just a one time only. It's sort of like getting a variance from OSHA, but it, but please don't let it take six months like it does or a year to get the things done. So, you know, that active participation with everybody and listening to everybody's voices. I mean, whether it's a whether it's an apprentice who's only been on the job for a few weeks or a few months to somebody who's very well experienced, you know, we we all have different perspectives on our risk tolerance. We all have different perspectives on how we feel that we could get the job done better or safer and collaborate. I think that's the that's really my my message is to, you know, when you when you see those things that are like going this direction at a 180 to bring them back to to center point and to just share our ideas. Now, I'm going to ask one of those questions that just feels stupid on its face, and I'll admit it, it might be. But, you know, we're talking about skilled tradesmen and, and professionals that have been doing this for years, and they, they kind of know what they're doing. Why is having an overarching uh, overarching commitment to safety or having a safety professional on there to forgive the phrase, kind of be a hall monitor to getting the job. Why is that important? Well, I think that it's getting, I can't say it's getting less important, but I think that, that as those experienced craft professionals become more engaged in safety and as they recognize that, that 
safety is their responsibility in addition to my responsibility but it's but it becomes the responsibility of everyone on the job site it shouldn't just be oh hey we've got a safety person here so we can sort of just neglect everything that's going on because one person can't be in a hundred different places. And if you've got a big project, you're going to have a hundred different tasks going on. And so when you, when the light bulb clicks with the, the key people on the project, like your general foreman, your foreman and your superintendents, then it's less necessary to have that hall monitor, as you say, um, standing around saying, oh, wait, you know, pointing their, pointing your finger and saying, hey, make sure you put your safety glasses on, which may be the least of the risks that are out there. You know, I mean, sometimes we don't see the forest from the trees. Um, and if we're only looking for those real obvious things, we can't get into the weeds and look at the at the things that could really harm somebody. You know, I mean, because there's always going to be on every job, on every task, you could probably jot down two or three things. Th- those sticky things, and I won't use the I won't use what most people use, but the stuff that can kill you is out there. And so when you when you have everybody looking, it makes a it makes it much easier than saying, "Oh, we got to have that safety person on the job site." Well, yeah, it's it's kind of like the it's the you know. Everyone is everyone's in charge of safety. Literally, everyone has the ability to say this probably isn't safe. We maybe shouldn't do this. Yeah. And that that kind of commitment. But, you know, I mean, but but that's where that's where you have to make certain that the the youngsters understand it. And I'm saying apprentices, you know, I mean, who aren't who aren't necessarily young anymore. But um, but the apprentices um, or those people with less um, craft experience need to have a voice also, and they need to understand it's okay to speak up. You are you are in an inclusive culture where we're not going to say, "Oh, well, so you know it all, don't you?" Even though you've only been on the job for three weeks, and I've been on the job for twenty years, and you also need to get to those people with a lot of experience who just kind of watch. They don't really ever talk. They just put their head down. They do their their work, but they know what's going on, and they know the things that are safe and unsafe. You need to get them to open up to, and that's th- those are the tougher nuts to break to crack. I really like that. And you, you said something earlier, and then it ties into there of, of just that collaboration and and bringing in the younger people. What kind of room is there for the the sort of shall we call it the creative problem solving? Is is safety a, a rigid rule book of these are the correct ways, or what kind of room for there is in like, hey, you know what? There's a safer way, or maybe a faster way that we can still be safe. What kind of room for creative collaboration is there? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, we ha- we have rules and regulations that all companies feel that they need to follow, and they d- and we do. You know, I mean, if if we were if we were not compliant with our federal OSHA standards or with our um, our overriding ANSI ASSP standards or whatever, we would we we would be put putting the company at tremendous risk for you know for liability with OSHA citations or with um, or with you know the potential of getting somebody injured or property damage, whatever. And so, you know, if, if you look strictly at the, at the regulations, 
yes, it's absolutely black and white. We all have a subjective side to it. Even even those compliance officers who come on the job site. I mean, unless it's something that they can take a tape measure and say, your guardrail is not 42 inches plus or minus three, there's, there's always some flexibility, I think, in the way that we do things. It may not be as flexible as some people would like to see. Um, and again, you know, we, we have different levels of risk tolerance and different experiences that we've had. You know, I mean, if I've been on a job where somebody tripped and fell over an extension cord and fractured their ankle very badly, I'm going to have a different outlook than somebody who just steps over the extension cord every single day or has kind of stumbled but never fallen. And and so we, we need to look at all of those experiences. But is it completely black and white? No, there's a little there's a little bit of gray in there. Um, there's not necessarily a, a full blown. Whoa, you can just do what you want. Obviously, you know, we're not the Wild West. Absolutely. No. And I mean, and I think that We've all seen the pictures. I mean, they're fairly famous, the pictures of the, the iron workers eating lunch on the I-beam over sure. New York City. You know, we're not uh, luckily we've come a long way since the, you know, unharnessed, you know, beam walkers of the 19 uh, of the turn of the century, 1900s, which brings me kind of changing subjects a little bit to just in the last 10 years. This kind of next sort of stage of revolution has been kind of the marriage of physical and mental safety and the and the mental health that is now being really, really recognized as a big part of it. You know, we have the dial 988, you know, things that our organization, as well as many others, are really advocating and sending out. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, the your perspective of, of it, of that hitting the job sites? Yeah, you know, I really... I really didn't know that there was a big problem. I, I don't think anybody really knew that there was a big problem even more than five years ago. And then somebody said, you know, the statistics are out there and they're really terrible. And construction has a five times higher rate of suicide than the general population. And construction has a tremendously high number of opioid addicted personnel and users and 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 overdoses things like things like that it was probably 2018 when i stumbled somehow stumbled across a um something from the construction industry alliance for suicide prevention and and there was a whole you know a whole bunch of information that that talked about suicide and mental well-being and the um in the opioid crisis i just i just never knew and when that when that message came to me i said i have to do something about it so the i think the first thing that that we did is is i took the message to the organization to, to talk and to other organizations that I belong to. And I said, hey, there's a problem. There's a crisis. Um, I know within our own company, we've worked very closely with the AGC of Missouri. And, um, and the AGC of Missouri is probably one of the leaders within, within our industry of having materials and advocating. But in, oh, I want to I say, and I, I might, might have the year one, one off, but I want to say it was 2018 during suicide prevention month or suicide prevention week which was which is like 
in, in September, we held a big stand on one of our projects and we handed out the, the first set of coins that I, that I ever saw. And when we handed those out and handed out other materials that were available to the, um, to the workforce, first of all, you could hear a pin drop after the, after the conclusion of the, of the, um, of the presentation. And people were, were kind of like gasping that there was such a tremendous um, issue, just like I felt when, when I first found out. And then people came up to us and started asking, can we get more of these coins or where did you get these? Because we want to share them. And then we had other people say, thank you for this because I didn't know who to turn to, but I have a problem or, or I have depression or anxiety or whatever. And so it, I think it really, it's really made a difference and, and really has a, has had a tremendous influence on the industry. You know, when you go to, when you go to our meetings and the talk meetings and to, into meetings within other organizations like Impact and, um, and NECA and SMACNA and, uh, and NCAA, all of those, I think, really have, have, have opened up the conversation so that we can talk about it. The one thing that I would, I would love to see on job sites is, have Narcan available. You don't, you never know who is, who is having, who is an opioid um, user and who may take one too many pills that day or who may have gotten their pills off the street because they can't go to their physicians anymore. And the, the medication contains um, fentanyl, which is, which is absolutely deadly. But getting that, getting that message across, um, actively, talking to people about don't bully or harass people that only contributes to um to to mental well-being issues make certain that you that you your your programs talk about DEI make sure that you've got your um your uh, resources readily available for for those individuals who say hey I, I just can't cope anymore and from that first point back in 2017, 18, or 19 to today, I think that, that it's only, you know, I, I think it's become much more, we've become much more aware because many, many, many more people during the pandemic and when everything was shut down or when people were isolated at work, they were feeling anxiety, depression, you know, just that the world is closing in on me because of my finances or whatever the situation is. So yeah, we need to continue the conversation, but, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely come a long way in the, in the last five years. So now kind of a follow-up that I don't know has an answer. And I'm, that's why I'm actually really interested to hear your insights or, you know, so I, I was in the military and I have lots of people that have been, know lots of people, you know, that have been deployed and, and there's, you know, the, a deployment has a, a certain op tempo and I swear I'm going, you know, it's, it's hard, it's long, it's long days, it's grueling, lots of traveling, lots of heavy thing, but you kind of know the whole time, this is a year, this is nine months, this is 18 months, this is, there's always a, this many days till I go home. And a lot of these veterans come home and they, they do really well in the trades. And then you go onto a job site where, yeah, the job site has a, you know, it's a three month project, a six month project, a three year project, whatever it does have it. But these are by nature long hour days, sometimes hundreds of miles from your house. They are, they are grueling, heavy, hard work. 
And if this, if you're a tradesperson that, that you know and have been doing this, and this is your career, there's no real end in sight. How do we? And I'm not saying this is a. I'm not saying that you need an end in sight. I'm just saying that there's. It's just going to keep going. After this project, there will be another one. There will be another one. How do we approach a problem like mental health when? No, the job is the job. You know, this job is going to be long and hard forever. What, how do we, how do we address a problem that is mentally taxing at its baseline? Well, I think, I think one of the issues is, is, or one of the solutions, I guess, is to make certain that, that everybody that works on that project understands that their unions have member assistance programs. You know, for, for those of us who work for a contractor, who are those, you know, the white hats on the job site or whatever, we have employee assistance programs, but they don't cross over into the building trades. So the building trades have resources that are available. And I think especially when people go out of town that they need to know, hey, you know what, just down the road, there's a union hall there, and those people, the, the folks at the hall can help you out if you are having some kind of a crisis. And, and I think that it's, it's, it's essential that we, we take those, those resources and make certain that people know, you know, late at night, if, you're, if your mind is going in places where you don't want it to go, you can reach out and make a phone call whether it's dialing 988 or whether you're whether you're calling your local hall or whatever they they talk about the tough guy mentality where where people in the industry don't want to say i'm having a problem but we know that many 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 people have problems it it should be it shouldn't be an issue to anybody who says, "Hey, you know what? I'm seeing a counselor now," or um, or my 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 wife and I are, are in family counseling, or I'm having issues with the kids, it's okay to talk about it. But I think that that one of the things that that people forget is that when you, when we send individuals out of town, especially if they're not part of a big gang and they're in and they're, they're tight-knit with the whole crew, they're going to go home at the end of the day, and they're going to be by themselves. And that's when they're going to get a call from their family because the kids, you know, the kids had to go to the hospital and get a stitch, or the lawnmower broke down, and so it's a crisis at home. Or, you know what? We're not getting your we're not getting your money that's supposed to be direct deposited, and you know those kinds of things crop up all the time. And if there's no resources, no local resources that the individuals know about, they're dealing with it on their own, and they need to know there's they can there are people out there and resources that are available for them. That and and for us, I mean. Human resources works very well for those of us who work directly for the company. But if you are hired out of the union hall, those resources aren't necessarily available. Your human resource, your human resource contact is either the safety person who did your orientation, the administrator in the trailer who, who hands you your paycheck, or your superintendent. That's who people see their human resources as. I mean, I would, I would have to venture to say that, that if we lined up a bunch of people who worked in our office 
and lined up a row of craft people on the other side and said, hey, pick out who the human resource person is, probably most of them wouldn't be able to do that. So he, HR, need, HR needs to be as involved with trade and field employees as they do with the office employees or the administrative employees. Just my, just my gut feeling, and I know that they're the response from at least from human resources that I know would say, but they have member member assistance programs. Sure, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I agree. You, if you don't know who, if you, if you don't know where your life vest is, you don't know how to reach for it. You sure, don't, you can only use the safety things that you know about. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, kind of my just sort of last question, and I mean it. it goes from the where we started all the way through that to so what's next what's the future we have not just in mental health but not just in safety but like you know everything from we have new ai coming out we have new automations and new robots we have new what is the what is the future of safety look like with with the way the world is moving yeah you know i I really think the technology is going to help us to advance safety efforts you know i mean we've already seen it with with drones who can we can we can soar over the top of of structures and be able to see that that anchor bolt isn't tightened you know the or the bolts aren't tightened down the way that they should be for you know for quality and we can do it for safety we you know the the the, the lone worker devices that they have available, the proximity devices, all of those are technological things. I don't know really what the next technology thing is, but I see things like, like virtual reality and educating people on how to walk those beams from the ground level instead of being, you know, even four feet in the air. It can, can really make a difference. I, I I am excited to see what that fu- what that future brings to us, but I think that it's it's in the lines of artificial intelligence and virtual reality, augmented um, reality, all of those kinds of things that people that are way smarter than I am and are way more techy than I am already are are generating the wheels are already turning in their brains about those kinds of things. No, I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, we're looking forward to seeing what uh, if, if we see any new new things at IGI this year that uh, sure. talk about anything coming down the pipe. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It's always great to talk to you. And I, I love uh, I love some of the insights we had today. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you, too. You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 